The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen. Amen. Hey, just let you know real quickly, I am not James Bond. In case any of y'all were wondering, I am not James Bond. It's a joke. Hey, we're glad that you're here today. Thanks for coming out and worshiping the Lord. Aren't you glad that we can get together in church and have fun? Get to celebrate the goodness of God. So, hey, thank you for coming today. I also want to tell you a big thank you um, to everyone that that participated in our Easter service last week. For those of you that invited people or served and all the various things, we had over a thousand people um, on our campus last week, and that's a pretty awesome deal. You know, we really are not about numbers, but we recognize that every number is a person and every person has a story, and every story matters to God. And so when we start thinking of it like that, it's really not about growth for growth's sakes. Honestly, the more something grows, the more work it actually becomes. But in reality, it's about people's lives being changed, people getting an opportunity to understand the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're very excited. So thank you for everyone that participated um, in helping us out. In fact, can we just give a big round of applause for all of our workers and those of you that brought somebody last week? Thank you. We, we really do appreciate that. I also wanted to give you a quick update on our capital campaign and, and just give another big shout out of thanks for all of you um, that are so faithful to that, that made pledges, that are already began giving um, to that. We were able to pay off our construction note of $35,000 because of your generosity. Amen. And again, it's about really impacting people's lives. In fact, we had a lady that um, is no longer in our church because she has been reunited with her husband and um, is no longer in our church, but wrote a, a testimony that I wanted to share with you today. Um, I can actually see up close, but I cannot see far away. So I always have the choice of seeing you or seeing my words. I typically choose to see you, uh, but now I'm going to need to see my words. So if I ever take my glasses off and I start talking this way, just know that it's because I couldn't see you. And so I got lost. Another joke. I'll kind of wave when I get, tell jokes so y'all will kind of understand when I'm doing that. But this is a testimony. Um, yeah, we are going to go ahead and receive the offering also some reason that is a a brain block for me. Um, But this is what our giving is all about. If you boil everything that we're about as a church, we are a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. We're not about exalting a man. We're not about exalting a church itself. We're about lifting up the name of Jesus. We are just the body of Christ. We are the people of God that get together together and worship the Lord. And, And lives are being changed. I mean, lives are being changed all the time. In fact, many of you are going to leave this service today and God's going to do something supernatural in your life that's going to change you. But I wanted to read this testimony to you from a a wonderful lady in Karen Morrison. She said, first, let me say that everyone at Amarillo Fellowship has had a positive impact on my life. Isn't that awesome to know that everyone, so many people doing so many different things. Before I moved, I was attending a connect group at Amarillo Fellowship and the relationships I made in that connect group was what brought life change to me. And I wanted to share with you the effect Emerald of Fellowship and the Connect Group has had on my life. I had not been in church for many years because of past hurts. My marriage was falling apart and I had had been separated from my husband. I became depressed and had no hope. I moved in with my daughter and her husband who invited me to Amarillo Fellowship. I refused at first but agreed to go to a Connect Group. Because of the grace and love that I felt in that Connect Group, I eventually felt comfortable enough to go to a regular church service. Every encouraging word you shared through the sermons on Sunday through my connect group changed my life. 
Every ounce of bitterness, anger, hurt, and unforgiveness started to fall off of me. I began to really understand God's love for me and that he still had a plan for my life. He wasn't done with me yet. For the first time in many years, I had hope. As I was growing in faith, my husband, who lived in another city at this time, was going to a church for the first time and even accepted Jesus as his Savior. Amen. God was doing something in both of us. I went back home to talk, and the more we talked about God's love and grace, the more we began to fall in love again. We forgave each other and knew that the only way to make our marriage work was if God was in it too. I moved back home with my husband, and we had been going to a church there, steadily learning and growing together. Our marriage has never been stronger. The pastor where we now live thought our story was so encouraging, he wanted to share our testimony with his church. A little testimony turned into a whole sermon. And as a result, on that Sunday, 58 people turned their lives over to God and accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I want to thank everyone at Amarillo Fellowship. God blessed me with his grace by using you and your love. And because of that, so many others are being blessed. You had a part of all of this. Thank you. Is that not amazing? You know, and a lot of times we don't really recognize and understand how much our life impacts other people. But when we begin to be filled with the love and grace of God, you can't help but impact people. You can't help but be, as the Word of God says, a living testimony that, and a living epistle that is read by all men. People begin to see your life and they begin to know that God is real, especially for those of you that are a little ornery right now, as you really begin to grow in your love of God and God really begins to change you. It's amazing because people will take notice that God is in your life and what God's doing. So I want to tell you, thank you. Thank you for all of you that serve, all of you that give. This lady's life impacted 58 other people for decisions for Christ. And so thank you for being so faithful in your giving. Hey, let's stand up just before I dive into the message today. We always like to make declarations over our life because we believe the tongue has the power of life and death. You're always declaring something over your life. And it's important that we're constantly aware of that. Because if we're not careful, we can find ourselves declaring the problem, declaring the wrong things going on, declaring other people's mistakes, other people's failures all the time, and not be declaring what the Word of God says, not declaring the promises of God. And so what we want to learn how to do is learn how to get all of our declarations in alignment with the Word of God, that we recognize when we're saying things that are contradicting the Word of God so we can catch ourselves so that we begin to speak words of life. So we like to practice every week. Y'all like to practice stuff? All right, so let's practice these declarations and let's say these over us today. God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is truth and God's word is alive and active in me. Let me pray over you today. Father, I just pray right now for the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, to breathe fresh life into us today. Lord, I pray today, Father, for a fresh revelation of the power of your word. I pray right now, God, that we would begin to prepare the soil of our hearts. God, that we would ask you, God, to begin to take the plow to the fallow ground, the hard ground, areas of our life, Father, that has a difficult time receiving the word of God, that you would take the plow and stir that up so that the word of God could, could fall into good soil today. God, that it would produce fruit in our lives, that we would see the goodness of God from the goodness of the word of God to begin to be manifest in our life. So I just thank you today, Father, for all of your promises today. Thank you for your word that is alive and active today, God. We love you and we give you all the praise. Lord, it's in Christ's wonderful name I pray. And all God's children said, 
Amen. You may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Today I want to begin a new series called Armed and Dangerous so that we can begin talking about us becoming armed and dangerous with the Word of God. Now, I want you to know that I am talking about being armed and dangerous with the Word of God, all right? Not any other way. And the reason is, is so that we can develop the ability to stand upon the Word of God so that we can develop the importance of or understand the importance of standing on the Word of God. So when the adversary comes, and let, let me just give you a heads up, he's coming. He's coming this week. He might be right there right now. You might have been dealing with him only week. When the adversary comes, when the devil comes, that you're able to stand upon the Word of God to thwart every attack of the enemy, to come against every attack of the enemy in our thought life, but also in our circumstances. See, what typically happens is the enemy is going to try to bring stuff into your life that's in, it's in violation of the promises of God. And in those moments, you get to choose, am I going to believe the problem or am I going to believe the word of God? As children of God, we live our lives by faith. We don't live our lives by what we see. We don't live our lives by what we feel. Because if you do, you're going to be all over the place. But we live our lives based upon the word of God. So when circumstances come in that begins to affect our thought life and we start going, oh my goodness, it's happening again. I'm never going to change. They're never going to change. It's always going to be this way. I'm always going to be sick. I'm always going to be broke. Can I get a witness? Any of those thoughts ever come into any of our lives? We need to start declaring what the word of God says. That by his stripes, I'm healed. That my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now, I wish that you could say that one time and it just happened. I really do. Wouldn't that be awesome? Then we would all believe. Can I tell you that the, the reason why we are challenged in believing the word of God is because sometimes we have some people around us that don't always tell the truth. Sometimes they're just mean and they, don't, they just want to lie. Sometimes they, they want to tell the truth, but something comes up and they don't do the thing they were said they were going to do. So we equate that with what God does. Just so you know, God is not a man that he could lie. So his word is always truth. We have to learn how to stand upon the word of God and, and be able to go to the word of God so that we have that confidence in the word of God. Amen? We have to allow the word of God. When I say the word of God, I'm talking about the Bible to set our belief system. We can't allow the world. We can't allow the popular thinking of the day. We can't allow our favorite athlete. We can't allow our favorite actor or actress. I think they're all actors today, aren't they? We can't allow our favorite singer. We can't allow them to set the agenda for what it is we're going to believe. Because just because somebody can slam the basketball doesn't mean they understand about the goodness of God. Just so you know. And just because somebody can sing like an angel doesn't mean they actually are an angel. All right, so we have to allow the word of God to set our belief system. We have to allow the word of God to determine what it is we're going to believe. Because what we believe determines what we think. What we think determines how we feel. How we feel determines what we act upon or things that we speak in our lives. But it all stems from what we believe. If your feelings are out of whack, if your thinking's out of whack, if your actions or speaking is out of whack, it's because you're believing wrong. Don't beat yourself up, but go back and go, you know what, somewhere in my life, this depression is coming against me because I'm not trusting God in some area of my life. 
but it all stems from what we believe. And while we're free to choose what it is we believe, we aren't free to choose the consequences of what it is that we believe. See, I can look at the Word of God where the Bible says that I am the authority figure in my, in my house, and that's true, but there's a balance in that because I'm to love my wife even as Christ loved the church. But I can take that scripture out of context and say that I am now the dominant person in the house. I'm in charge. What daddy says goes. But how many of you know, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? So I can violate the word of God, but there's going to be some problems in, in that relationship. Again, I can choose what it is I'm going to believe, but I can't choose the consequences of what it is that happens based upon what I believe. Now, you don't have to believe the word of God. Let me just give you a little out here today. But to not believe the word of God takes from you the ability to receive the promises that are found in the word of God. So it's my prayer that through this series, you will develop a greater love or you'll develop a love for the word of God. You'll develop a hunger for the word of God. See, you're being, your soul is being filled all the time. It's being, being satisfied all the time. And if you're spending hours and hours watching TV, sitcoms that, that many of them violate the word of God, if you're spending hours doing that, you're not going to have an, a spiritual appetite and a hunger for the word of God. Sometimes you just need to turn the TV off. Don't turn it down, just turn it off. I'll give you permission to do that. If you're ever watching something and you're thinking, you know what, if Jesus was sitting right here beside me, would I be watching this? Probably a good indication if you're saying no, to go turn it off. Don't shout me down today, but just go turn it off, okay? We gotta, we gotta make sure that we're believing the word of God, allowing the word of God to set the agenda for our lives. So my prayer for us through this series is we'll develop a hunger for the word of God so that as you get into the word of God, the word of God is going to get into you and you'll use the word of God to minister to your life. See, that's how you have to minister to yourself is through the word of God. That's why David... When he was feeling a, a depression coming on, an oppression coming on, he began speaking. Why are you so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Don't put your hope in the problem and the circumstance, thinking it's never going to change. Put your hope in God. You use it to minister to yourself, but you also use it to minister to others. See, we're all called to be ministers. It's a clear teaching throughout the word of God that God has called all of us to be ministers. Let me show you one of the verses in 2 Corinthians 5. Now stay there in 2 Corinthians 3, but 2 Corinthians 5 says this. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, meaning Jesus made us right with God and has given you and I the ministry of reconciliation. So we're all called to be ministers, whether it's to ourselves or to other people. Now you may not be a vocational minister, you may not be a vocational preacher or a staff pastor, but we're all called to be minister, to minister words of life to yourself, first of all, and then to others. Because God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So where do we go to find the words of life? Do we watch Oprah? Do we watch Fox News? Do we watch Sports Center? Do we watch... Trying to think of all the other shows that are out there. So eventually I'll hit some of you. No, we go to the Word of God. The Word of God creates a sure foundation for us and for others to stand on. Now, there are some here today who believe that, because as a church, we believe in God's grace, 
All right? So if you're here today, just so you know, we believe in God's grace, that God's grace is more amazing than we could ever imagine. When we sing amazing grace, it isn't words just to us. It really is amazing to us. We're wowed by the grace of God all the time. All right? So there are some today who believe that because we're under grace and not under law, the word of God isn't important. That's because they see the word of God as a, as a list of do's and don'ts, rather than seeing it as a love letter explaining what has already been done. If you ever want to understand the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, it's doing what I've got to do versus done, completed. Now, because we're in him, everything is completed. So we need to see it as a love letter or see it as a roadmap explaining how to live the abundant life that God has for you, that his word is a light for our path. So about the time that we're about ready to get off the path, the, the, word, the light goes over here and we're walking in darkness. We can go, okay, let me get back on the path. It's a roadmap for you to understand the abundant life that God has for you. I'm thankful for heaven. I can't wait till we get to heaven. Zipping across the cosmos, going to Jupiter, see you for lunch on Jupiter, let's have coffee on Saturn, I mean it's going to be awesome, walking on streets of gold, getting to see Jesus, our Savior, face to face, getting the opportunity to really hang out in a real worship service, it's going to be awesome, it's going to be amazing, but listen, it's not about you and I hanging in till one day we get to heaven, there's an abundant life that God has for us now, and it's found in the word of God, it's found in the roadmap that he has for our life. So we minister to each other. We minister to ourselves and to each other based on the word of God. And this is an important part. It's a ministry of reconciliation or a ministry of righteousness, not a ministry of condemnation. We don't use the word of God on ourselves or on others to knock ourselves over the head. Let me give you a heads up. You're probably going to miss the mark this week. And when you do stand back up and say, God, I thank you that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That behavior is not who I am. I'm going to go back and live the way that you called me to live. Don't sit there and go, oh, God, I'm here again, again, again. I said I wouldn't and I'm here again. Right? Don't beat yourself. Don't beat others up over the head. Because typically it's easier to see the speck in someone else's eye than it is the plank in our own eye. Amen? So since it's the word of God, sometimes we kind of brush by that, but it's the word of God, we need to use the word of God to breathe life into ourselves and into others. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5 says this, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. Just so you know that when you're speaking life into other people, we're not coming as a holier than thou person. If, if you're speaking to someone about some areas of their life that you'd like to see God do something fresh in their life, we go out of love because this sufficiency is not of ourselves, thinking it being from ourselves, all right? For those of you that are really good looking and you look down on the rest of us, it's not from you. God's given that to you, those good looks. When you've got a talent, when you've got an ability and other people around you don't have it, don't be putting them down because God's the one that gave you that talent and ability. Let me go a step further and step on some of y'all's toes today. The money that you make is God gave you the ability to make the money that you have. It's all about God. So it's all about the sufficiency. We don't think of ourselves as, as that high, but our sufficiency is from God. The abilities that we have is from God. 
In the next verse, he goes on to contrast the old covenant, which is about, again, what we must do with the new covenant, what has already been done. And he says this, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, now the letter that God is talking about here is the old covenant, but the spirit that gives life is the new covenant. Now, the reason why I'm starting out this series with this verse is because there is a teaching or an understanding or a mindset in many spirit-filled churches that when you read the Bible, as you're reading the Bible and those words in the Bible, you must pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand what you're reading because if you don't, then the passages you are reading is the letter that kills because this verse says, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Because of that, some people look at the Bible as the letter that kills. And they'll tell you, if you're reading the Bible, it's the letter that kills. Make sure that the Holy Spirit helps you understand the spirit behind the word, because again, it's the letter that kills. Now, we always want the Holy Spirit to be involved in our life. Just so you know, that's an incredible advantage that we have as children of God. The Holy Spirit walking with us, moving in our lives. So we always want him to help us understand what it is we're reading. The spirit behind those words, because he's the comforter. He's the counselor. The word of God says that he will guide you into all truth. But we don't need the Holy Spirit because when we're reading the word of God, it's the letter that kills. Listen to this. The letter that kills is not referring to the Bible. So because of that, if someone who loves you is showing you a passage from the Bible where you're violating the word of God, you're living your life contrary to the word of God, don't tell them, listen, man, I'm under grace. You're just trying to use the word of God, that letter that kills to bring condemnation into my life. Because again, if you don't know how much God loves you, if you don't know how much God is for you, you'll always see the word of God as God trying to take something from you, as rules and regulations that there's absolutely no way that you can measure up to all of them, rather than seeing the word of God as a roadmap explaining to you how to live the abundant life that God has prepared for you before the foundation of the world. But the letter that kills, again, is not referring to the Bible. It's not referring to the written scripture. In fact, let me give you a little insight on how to study the word of God. You always have to read the verse within the context of the passage around it. Because if you take the text out of that, all you're left with is the con. All right? If you take the text out of the context, all you're left with is the con. I'm waving my hand every time I say something kind of funny, remember? Okay? Courtesy laugh, thank you. You always have to read the verse within its context. So we have to read the verse within the context of the surrounding verses. And what it's talking about here is the contrast of the old covenant and the new covenant. Because the next verse goes on to say, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones, what's that sound like? The Ten Commandments, that's the only thing that was written and engraved on stones. It's the law under the old covenant as the letter that kills when you read the Bible, it's not the letter that kills. Say that again. When you read the Bible, it's not the letter that kills. In fact, Jesus said this in John 6, the words that I speak to you. Now, how many of you know that all scripture is God breathed? Every scripture in the word of God is God speaking to you. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So catch this. It's the law under the old covenant 
that kills. It's the law, me having to perform, do all these things under the old covenant that kills. So why would God give us the law? See, there are some people who still live and operate under the old covenant. They think that God gave us the law so that we can try to keep it in order to qualify in being right with God or in order to be blessed. But the law wasn't given so that you can keep it or to qualify in being blessed. The law was given so that you'd recognize that you couldn't be good enough to keep the whole law. Because the Bible says if you stumble in one part, in fact, here's what it says in James, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of it all. So the law was given so that you'd recognize that you needed a savior. You need an advocate. You need a representative who was able to keep the whole law. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. The Bible says he came to fulfill it. The law was given to expose our sin to help us understand that things needed to change, but it lacks the ability to actually help us to change. Let me show you this in Romans 5. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. The law entered so that the offense might abound, so we would understand problems. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Now, let me explain it with a, a little illustration here. Let's just say that you're, there's a two-lane highway outside of town. With a, it's on a very dangerous curve, and there's a no-passing zone sign there. As long as there is a no-passing zone sign, you're not supposed to pass on the curve. Y'all knew that, right? Okay? You're not supposed to pass on the curve. Now, if you do, you're breaking the law. Little heads up for those of you that, oh, I thought that was just a suggestion. No, you're breaking the law. But let's just say that there isn't a sign that is restricting you from passing on that dangerous curve. If there isn't a sign, you're not breaking the law. And since you're not breaking the law, you're actually okay as far as the law is concerned, but you don't know that you're actually doing something dangerous. You don't realize that that previous year there were 20 fatal accidents on that curve in the road, but there was no law restricting you, so you did not know about that. So the law is there to restrict you, to stop you, to keep you safe from doing something that can damage you or can damage other people in your life. But the law can't empower you to not pass on the curve. In fact, some of you, when you see a a sign says, don't pass, you actually want to pass, right? That's why when you see a sign that says 60 miles an hour, you think you can go 65 miles an hour. You know what that margin of error is, at least as far as you think, with Mr. Highway Patrolman. Am I speaking to anybody today? So what the law causes us to do is to go, I want to break it. If we're honest, we would really say, I want to break it. I shared this a couple of weeks ago, but last week we had some parking attendants out there for Easter service. And when somebody's waving you on like this, your natural inclination is, I want to turn this way. I want to move away from it. So laws are needed to keep us from damaging ourselves and others, but the law has no power to change you on the inside. Even though the law is righteous, even though the law is holy, the law has no power to make you righteous and holy. It can help you understand how holy and righteous people are to live, but it has no power to change you. It can warn you about the danger of wrong behavior. It can warn you of danger behavior. I was sharing in the first service that, you know, when you get on the playground, you know, kids are out there, they're taught 
stranger danger. You know what I'm talking about? Some stranger comes around, kids start going, stranger danger, stranger danger. You know what? When we are doing wrong things, we should be danger behavior, danger behavior, danger behavior. Be like a little robot almost. Danger behavior, danger behavior. Watch out, right? So again, the law can't make you holy and righteous, but it can help you understand how holy and righteous people are to live. But let me be quick to add this. God is not after behavior modification. He's not about you just trying to fix your actions. He is about heart and life transformation. He is after change that takes place on the inside. And when change takes place on the inside, it eventually produces outside change. That is real change. Because you see, you can say, well, I'm not going to cheat on my wife. And the only reason why you're afraid to do that is you're afraid she'll beat you in the middle of the night. (laughs) You cannot lie on your income taxes, but the only reason why you do it is because you're afraid the IRS is going to find out. Woo! Right? What God wants is change to happen on the inside. Change that happens on the inside will eventually produce the change on the outside. But it begins with the revelation of God doing something new and fresh in your life. See, God wants you to grow in your understanding of his goodness. It's one of the reasons why I spend so much time talking about the goodness of God because we can forget like that about the goodness of God and think that God's angry at us, God's disappointed, or God set up this law just because he's a killjoy and God doesn't want me to have fun. God is saying, danger behavior, danger behavior, watch out. You're about ready to damage yourself and you're about ready to damage other people. So God wants you to grow in that understanding so that you live your life to honor God with your entire life. Not spending your life trying to figure out how close to the edge of sin that you can actually live and still be a follower of Jesus Christ. Transformation is taking place on the inside of you can't be governed by the law. We don't know what's going on the inside. But see, that's why Jesus came. He came to change you from the inside out. To, to allow his word that is active and alive to be the mirror that helps us to understand how we are to live. The love letter to help us understand what's already been accomplished. The, the map so that we can understand how to live the life he's called us to lead. When you understand that the word of God is there to protect you, to lead you and guide you, you recognize the power that is made available to you through his word for you to live the overcoming victorious life that God has for you. So being armed with the word of God causes you to understand the inheritance that God has for you. How to walk in and live in the abundant life that God has for you. And that makes you dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. You become armed with the word of God and you become dangerous against every attack of the enemy. It's one of the reasons why the enemy is constantly trying to stop us from hearing the word of God. Trying to come against the word of God. When you're armed and dangerous with the word of God, you're going to overcome every obstacle, defeat every enemy, and walk in victory in every area and arena of your life. Because God Almighty is working in you and through you, and it will happen simply because you choose to believe and receive the promises that are found in the word of God. And what you believe changes everything. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.